0: Everybody, welcome to a brand new edition of Pick and Pod on this Tuesday, February 26, two thousand nineteen. I'm Dominic Capone. Glad to be joined by Jackson Heil and Joey Dayon. Guys, the Lakers are struggling right now. Before LeBron's injury on Christmas, they were the fifth seed, they were the sixth seed. It looked like this was gonna be a year that they made the playoffs, but now twenty nine and thirty one, three games back of the San Antonio Spurs for the eighth seed.
1: It's a disaster. For the Lakers, I don't think you could put it any other way at this point. And honestly, I mean, from top to bottom, it's—I don't know if it's a so-called cultural problem, but that locker room seems like it's a mess. Mm. I mean, yes, they've—they're missing Lonzo Ball, and I—you can argue that that's been a really big impact on the way that they've performed over the past few weeks. But I mean, from top to bottom, this team is in disarray. I mean. Luke Walton has no control over the locker room, in my opinion. LeBron is going out and making comment after comment about how this team is disengaged. Just shut up and play. And I, I'm usually not one to criticize LeBron because he's arguably the best ever. He's the best player in the world right now. But just shut up and play. And you got to help your young guys some out. And calling them out in public is not the way to do it, in my opinion.
2: Lakers haven't been able to sustain any sort of play since LeBron went out. And then even when he's come back, they've been horrible. They also haven't been able to take themselves out of bad headlines. It's a headline after headline Mm -hmm. for them, and it's just continuing to build and build, and it's building on the pups, it's building on the young guys, and it's becoming a circus over there right now.
0: Speaking of LeBron's comments, yesterday after the loss to the Grizzlies, who have the second-worst record in the West, LeBron said, at this point, if you are still allowing distractions to affect how the way you play, then this is the wrong franchise to be a part of. And you should just come and be like listen I don't think this is for me I cannot do this the irony. Jackson that seems like a shot at the teammates but LeBron also said that bas if basketball's not your main focus right now in I guess a life he said then you're not your mindset's not in it but that's weird coming from LeBron
1: that is as hypocritical <laughs> of a comment as you'll see from LeBron James I mean you're talking about a guy who went from Cleveland to la when he you could argue it was a better situation to win in Cleveland even though it wasn't great but I mean, there were a ton of non-basketball reasons for him to play for the Lakers. And, I mean, his son is going to high school out there, I believe. It's Los Angeles. Most of the reasons that he is a Laker right now have nothing to do with basketball. I mean, you look at the roster they put together. I mean, some of the main guys they had this year were Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, JaVale McGee. What were you expecting of course. when you came there? So, I, I'm not, I don't really have a ton of sympathy for LeBron in this situation. I have had it in the past when he's been put in tough situations with bad teams that he's had to carry, but... He created this mess for himself by becoming a Laker. I
2: think this is just another one of those situations where LeBron is in, where he's going to have to raise the level of the people's play around him. I'm honestly okay with the comments from LeBron last night. I think sometimes you you get asked the question, and you have to answer it in a specific way. I think LeBron calibrates every single move he makes. And, you know, you can take one quick soundbite and say LeBron said this, LeBron said that, but in the concept, the context of things he's really saying is we got to get over this trade deadline talk because it happened two weeks ago. So either we're going to come in, we're going to do our jobs. You know, these guys are pros now. Even though they're young 21, 22-year-old players, first year, second year, third year in the league, they got to start coming to play. And he basically said if you want this, you want to be a part of a playoff run and you want to be a part of meaningful games, then you got to come to play. And that's something that I believe LeBron is correct in that that regard.
1: I agree to a certain extent, but... Part of the problem for me is that he's the one that's creating these headlines because you look mm-hmm. at what he's saying. I mean, the Anthony Davis comments, those are all on LeBron. I mean, it shouldn't have infected the team the way it has, and I agree with you on that. But, I mean, he's the one that keeps creating these comments. It's and-
2: kind of not – he can't escape it, though. He's LeBron James. There's going to be a media circus around mm-hmm. him no matter what. I, so, yes. you know, whatever he says is going to be put into a certain category or a specific you know, little, little corner, and, and then everyone's just going to attack it.
1: But if he wants these guys to really change, I don't think doing it through the media is the right way. Okay. Is my main point. To deal with young players, they're all all their heads are on social media and in what LeBron's comments are to the media. This is something that has to be dealt with privately. And I think part of this is also on Luke Walton for doing a poor job of not having any control of what these guys are saying to the media. I mean, yes, he's a young guy, and I'm sure he has some decent relationships with, with decent decent relationships with players. But at the same time, you got to control what's being said outside of the locker room, and it doesn't seem like he has any sort of control and, of what's going on there. And, so
2: for you, Dama, I have a question. Is When does it become, uh, you know, not just now they're young players, but when does it become that they're pros now and they have to start doing their job? I understand the media mm-hmm. isn't the right way to do it sometimes, but who's to say that in that locker room LeBron isn't, you know, in B.I.'s ear all the time saying, B.I., that was a great great night mm-hmm. you had last night. You come out with
0: 32 and a losing effort. I'm sure LeBron's saying it behind closed doors. LeBron's smart enough to not pour everything out into the media and then to go directly to the team. But I'm looking on the court as well. LeBron keeps saying that his playoff mode is activated. He's going to make the playoffs. Everyone else should too. And there was a play in yesterday's game where Bruno Capicola literally was wide open for three. LeBron could have contested the shot and just watched it. And it went in, and then LeBron kind of looked at his teammates like, where's that? What's going on now? You could have made a stop too, but he didn't. And to me, that's LeBron James. Either he's injured or he he's, I, I don't know, he's just not playing the way he says he wants to play right now.
1: The whole team just looks disengaged, and I mean, you can argue that starts with LeBron because he's supposed to be that leader, but I think, Joey, you made a great point of saying at what point does it come that these guys are not young players but are professionals, and they have to step up too at the same time, and clearly they haven't. I mean, there's also been reports that LeBron is playing this year at like 280 pounds overweight, mm-hmm. which... Listen, I'm not sure how true that is or how much that would even affect him. But it's got to be a group effort. It, it can't be all LeBron, and it can't be all LeBron also talking in the media. It's got to be come from the young guys, and it's got to come from the coaching staff and, as well to get these guys in and game. And it's
0: not like the offense is... Uh, played poorly. I mean, Brandon right. Ingram's having this twenty-five, this three-game streak of twenty-five points or more. Kyle Kuzma's kind of fell off. Lance Stevenson, his minutes have went down. He's only he only played three minutes yesterday against the Grizzlies. Good, and <laughs> you know why you don't like Lance Stevenson? I don't
1: think he's a good player anymore. I love Lance Stevenson. He, he played well antics, earlier in the but year. He's not a great player anymore. But
0: I, I, you brought it up earlier. I do think the effect and the loss of L- Lonzo Ball is pretty big. Since his departure, the Lakers are four and nine. They're giving up seventeen points per game. His defensive prowess on the pre- perimeter especially is what they're missing because losing by 17 points per game with a LeBron James team uh, that's really not known for their defense right now and LeBron's not playing defense it's you need someone like Alonzo Ball as an x-factor on defense
2: yeah and the roster just continues to look thinner and thinner as you know the games get worse and worse for them so it's really tough right now to listen we're gonna get we're getting 34 year old LeBron James let's be real with ourselves he still is the best player in the world but he's not going to be doing some of the things that he could be doing night in and night out on those Cleveland teams back in the day or those Miami teams back in the day. So like you said, Dom, where he didn't go out and contest that three, that's a LeBron James we're going to live with at the end of the day now because he cannot play 48 minutes uh, or whatever, whatever they're throwing him out there of great defense all the time. He's going to pick his spots in big moments, and he wants the young guys to rise up to the occasion on some of those plays.
1: And to add on top of that, we probably should have saw this coming. Honestly, from the beginning of the year, because you look at the way this roster was constructed by Magic Johnson, it's a bunch of old scrubs. Let's be, not on their com- prime. Let's, let's be completely honest here. I mean, like I said before, their main ads were Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo.
2: As you say that, though, it's just such an interesting story because this team was rolling before it, it, LeBron got true. hurt. It's true, rolling. It, it, it is,
1: but true. that's I mean, also when LeBron goes to Oracle. You go to
2: Oracle and you blow them out. Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's fair to say. I mean, it's definitely fair to question where things exactly went wrong. I mean, obviously, we know where they went wrong because when LeBron went out, kind of things completely changed Mm -hmm. for the Lakers. But when he's come back, I mean... They've been even worse, I think you can argue, since he came back as opposed to when he was out.
0: Just looking at some of those games, since LeBron's been back, he's averaging a triple-double, but they have a loss to the Pacers, 136-94. That's obviously without Victor Oladipo, who's out for the season. They lost 117-113 to Atlanta, who is currently the 12th seed in the East. They lost to the Pelicans without Anthony Davis. These losses you can't be having. These are the games you have to pick up in order to win uh, and get into the playoffs in the West. Because I'm looking at their last five games of the season, and if, say, it comes down to those five games and they're in the eighth seed or around that, they have to go to OKC, who's obviously right now playing for the second or third seed, Golden State, uh, the, against the Clippers, Utah, Portland. All these teams are in the thick of the playoff chase, and it's not going to be an easy task for the Lakers going uh, ahead and trying to get into the playoffs that last stretch of games.
2: Yeah, they have the 26th, I mean, the fifth hardest record in the NBA moving forward. So, and then the teams ahead of them have much easier paths, uh, one team that I really want to talk about that's right ahead of the Lakers that I think is legit and has been legit all season long is the Sacramento Kings. I was Kings. just going to bring them up. Those guys De'Aaron are Fox, on buddy fire. Guys. I just <laughs> love the way these guys play free-flowing basketball, pass the ball ahead, make open shots, play with confidence, play together. And then they got four or five really young studs. It's just very fun to watch. You got Fox. Bagley's been a beast this season. He's been in and out with injury, but lately he's been on fire. And then a guy who doesn't really get talked about much on that team, we talk about Buddy Heel a lot, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's great. The guy, every single time he takes the floor, I mean, he looks like he's in command of what he's doing. He's in control, especially at the offensive end. And these guys play together as a nice, cohesive unit. You gotta love the job Jaeger's doing over there. And how can you say the Lakers are gonna pass that team right now with the way the Kings are playing?
1: Yeah, and the only team really that's kind of remotely in front of them, is that looks catchable or the Spurs, because the Spurs have been a disaster lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the t Bulls have a ton of talent, and they're playing relatively inspired of late. You mentioned the Kings have been great. I, I like the Clippers like even the Clippers. without trading Tobias Harris, even without Tobias Harris, I should say. Which so, is
0: surprising. It, if they traded Tobias Harris, you think like the Clippers okay. They're just they're packing it. And now yeah. they're playing pretty well. Six of the last four in the last time.
1: Doc Rivers is one of the best in the game. And, I mean, you, you know what he can do. I mean, they put him in a tough situation where he had to be in control of player personnel situations. Yeah, I was which... going to
0: say a lot of people don't like Doc Rivers in the sense that they gave him all this power. Obviously, coming from Boston, he had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and couldn't win anything. Yeah, and now
1: they bring Jerry Weston, who's done a Mm -hmm. much better job. Just having an isolated guy in charge of that, I think, was just so important because it just puts so much on Doc Rivers' plate. and even though I'm sure he wanted that type of control, he clearly wasn't great at it, first of all. And it just allows him to focus more on the coaching side of instincts instead of trying to bring his son in to play as a six-man for him. So... I, I like what, what the situation the Clippers are in. I mean, the Jazz are right in front, so it's definitely going to be a tough road for the Lakers, and to think of the playoffs without LeBron is kind of weird, but I, I could very well see the Lakers in a situation where they're sitting home in April. It's I, one of the most
2: bizarre things mm-hmm. I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, because we always said, like, even with the Cavaliers, if you take LeBron off the Cavaliers, they're one of the worst teams in the East, which they are. I mean, right now, they, they're right in front of the Knicks about a game and a half, but... Speaks to how bad the Lakers are as of course, a roster, because LeBron, you put him on any team, everyone says they're going to make the playoffs, and it is surprising that the Lakers right now is presently constituted. I, I said when LeBron got back, oh, there's no doubt that they're going to make the playoffs, just because it's LeBron James leading that team, and when before he got injured, like I said, he was the, they were the fifth, sixth seed in the West. But right now, it's not looking good, and there is no timetable right now on Lonzo Ball. As I said, four to six weeks. He got injured, I believe, in mid-January, so uh, you don't know when he's coming back. Yeah, and, and he reaggravated that injury. Mm-hmm. So of course, and, and with players not stepping up, Lance Stevenson not getting the minutes, Mike Muscala, who just got on the team, he's only played in two games for the Lakers. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I also want to touch on another thing in the West: James Harden' history came to an end at 32 of 30. Uh, point games he scored 28 the Hawks at the last second we're trying to lock him down in the far corner uh, on the far side of the court and uh, James Harden said it's cool I wasn't going to get past Will Chamberlain who was at 62 games in 61-62
1: yeah my boy Kevin Herter locked him up <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you're a big Terps guy
1: so <laughs> Kevin Herter, most underrated player from this draft I'm telling you he's the best shooter to come out of this draft and he's a great defender but regardless I mean the run that James Harden went on was was pretty incredible mm-hmm. I mean you got to look at things with the way that the Rockets started the year, how desperate they were to really have a lifeline. And, I mean, mm. you can argue whether his brand of basketball is good or bad for the game. And Kobe said it was bad. He, yeah, that, yeah, that's so ironic coming from Kobe. No, I think Kobe <laughs> said it was bad
2: for winning, mm. which, I yeah, but, mm. which I agree with.
1: Which I agree with in the playoffs. In the playoffs. But in the, playoffs. the Rockets needed some sort of lifeline. I mean, without Chris Paul really without any secondary scoring outside of Eric Gordon. They needed someone to step up and... And Capella. You, yeah, exactly. But in terms of scoring, I, you're not really expecting much from Capella except dunks and easy layups. But more my point is that they needed someone to really take the load, and yeah. the only person that could have really done that was James Harden. I mean, he gave them a lifeline to get back in the playoff On, I mean, they're... The fifth seed right now. They're 10 games over 500. They have Chris Paul back, who's playing better of late. So they're going to be in a spot where I think they can compete and try to get to the Western Conference Finals. Listen, I don't know if they're going to be able to win and obviously top the Warriors, but they've put themselves in a position to do that, and a lot of it has to go on the shoulders of James Harden. And I do
0: have to say, for the Rockets' point of view, getting Kenneth Fareed from the Nets, who was basically non-existent, he was, like, if they had 15 players, he would have been the 15th guy. He has scored in double figures in the 14 games he's played, and he's averaging this month, in February, 16 points per game, 10 rebounds. So Kenneth Farid has really stepped up, and that goes into the Houston Rockets trying to win. Right now, they're eight games back of that first first seed in the West, and a lot of people thought the Rockets obviously were going to be the first, second seed, but obviously Chris Paul was injured, Um, a lot of players were out, but... Looks like right now the Houston Rockets have a chance to gradually get back into it and then compete again. Try to get to the Western Conference Finals.
2: I think that that James Harden run was it couldn't have been more perfect for this Houston Rockets team. Yep. Where they were and where they are now is is a totally different situation. Like you said, depleted by injuries, no one to really go to. He had to be that one man show, and they were basically five hundred or below. He goes on that tear. They're twenty two and ten now. Everyone's back. They're all healthy. The run ends at a perfect time. You got 22 games left in the season for everybody to get on the same page and play that type of winning basketball with Harden in the lineup, Paul, Gordon. Now they got Shumpert. They're adding all these pieces. Capella back, the big man in the middle. Now now you build your chemistry for the playoffs. With 22 games left to go.
0: Also, I just want to add real quick. A lot of people say, like, look, 30 points is a lot, but it's not as much as he was when James Harden was scoring 50, 60 a game, and that's when yeah. everyone was like, "Why is he taking all these shots to get to the free throw line?" But with this team surrounding him and he's scoring 30, I think that's you yeah, can he win scores like that. 30, regardless. Mm-hmm. He's not go. He's not going out trying to score 50, 60 to just to keep them afloat. Right. He's actually scoring the ball. Joe, efficiently. I, th- I
1: think you made a great point there in terms of. It was the perfect time for him to kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit in terms of his shot volume and the way the Rockets are playing because obviously, like you said, they get Chris Paul back. They get Clint Capella back. Eric Gordon can kind of go back to his normal role that he's in. This is the time, like you said, to really build up and really find an identity for the playoffs because I I think you could still argue that the Rockets don't necessarily have an identity because what they were able to do and get back into the playoff race— is not how they're going to be successful in the playoffs. Let's be completely honest there Mm -hmm. because James Harden shooting 40 times a night, they're not going to win many games like that when you have guys like Chris Paul and Eric Gordon on the floor. Now they have a chance down the stretch to really find that sort of identity that will give them a chance to compete with the Warriors and the Nuggets and the Thunders of the world.
2: And to add to that, they have the pieces in place from last year. Like They have Mm -hmm. the main guys back. So that chemistry can be built up quickly. I'm a big Rockets believer, even though, you know, whatever we've seen this year hasn't been as good as last year, not even close, but when you have four key guys back and ready to contribute at a high level. And also, that win on Saturday night was huge for the Rockets. They may not tell you that. And, they and you know, Chris Paul was downplaying it after the game in his post-game press conference, just another win, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He had a huge night, 23.17 assists without Harden to go into Oracle for that team to win that game the way they did after blowing a huge lead coming back and finishing it off the right way that's huge for the confidence of every single player in the Houston Rockets cuz you know you have to go through Oracle and they almost did it last year so the Rockets are in
1: a better place than people may think and not only that to do what they've done now twice at Oracle this year i mean yeah. the first game was the James Harden yeah, show forget when about that it. one of the best performances all year down the stretch, and he was just hitting three after three, and then the game winner was just tremendous. But to have that confidence that you've gone into Oracle twice, one in two different types of fashions in terms of James Harden being able to dominate down the stretch, what they're going to need, and then also to come back after blowing a lead like they did at Oracle is very impressive and should give them confidence going into there in the future
0: about 20 games left of the regular season the Western Conference shaping up right now the biggest story is: uh, are the Lakers going to make the playoffs shifting over to the east now the Brooklyn Nets have surprised everyone this year they're the sixth seed they started off they were eight and eighteen on December fifth, then decided to go on an eight game winning streak and really haven't looked back. They're two games over five hundred. They now have a three and a half game lead over the Orlando Magic, who currently control the ninth seed. And D'Angelo Russell has been playing lights out basketball of late. And he continued it yesterday against the Spurs. Five of eleven from three, twenty three points in the win. He's unbelievable. I mean, he really has taken... we have taken... to give a lot of credit, by the way, to Billy Reinhardt,
1: said the Nets were going to make the playoffs. Yeah, g- <laughs> g- do give him some credit, even though he was fully on board with the tank after Karis yes, LeVert went right. down. <laughs> so, uh, l- let's not give him too much credit there. But regardless, I mean, yeah, Ru- Russell's been incredible, too. I mean, what he was able to do after Karis LeVert went down, because, I mean, that injury could have really derailed their season because mm-hmm. they were already losing a ton of games going into that stretch. Then he gets hurt, and then... Really, when he went out, it became deloading mode, is, is what I'll call mm-hmm. he it, because he, he was tremendous. I mean, and they're getting balanced scoring from other pieces as well, which is huge. I mean, Lavert had 15 last night against the Spurs. Joe Harris is shooting like 70-something yeah, percent great. from three since <laughs> 70, the All-Star break, which is unbelievable. I mean, they have the help down low, and... One of the most important things for me regarding the Nets is can they defend well enough because that's all that Kenny Atkinson preaches is what they do on the defensive end. And I think they're definitely capable of doing it. I mean, you look at what they did last night to the Spurs, holding them to 85 points. Yes, they're struggling, and I know they just lost back-to-back games to the Knicks at home, which hadn't yeah. been done since December, and then the Nets. So the Nets are in a good spot right now. They are right on track, probably ahead of in terms of what they're doing in this sort of rebuild, then they're building a culture there, and they have found their star, more importantly, in D'Angelo Russell.
2: Kenny Atkinson has done a phenomenal job with this team and continuing to build and build and build with the young talent. You talk about how he just basically gets D'Angelo Russell for nothing. Mm-hmm and now from the Lakers for Mozgov and basically and the Lopez. pick ends up being, yeah and and pick pick ends up being Kuzma mm-hmm. but if yeah, okay. you didn't know that at the right, time right, 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 going right. to that's just the diamond mm-hmm. in the rough type of situation but Kenny Atkinson the way he teaches these guys the way he coaches them up to be one cohesive unit has been really fun to watch i think watching them play for me as a Knicks fan even has been i mean i never like watching the nets and now watching this team play they're just fun to watch. They play with a certain type of energy. They play up and down basketball. They may be a type of Sacramento Kings of the East for me, but we're going back to D'Angelo Russell. The one thing that sticks out to me is the clutch performances that this guy's Mm -hmm. been having shot after shot, night after night, big shot game after game. It's unbelievable. The guy comes out in Cleveland. He goes, I think seven for seven, or six for six with fourteen in those, points in, in, in the third in the triple overtime after having an awful game before that. Then he goes out in Charlotte recently has forty plus on his birthday and all with big time shots. He's doing it in big moments. And I think that's a key factor when a star is gonna he's on the rise is when he could do it when the game's on the line and he's been showing that ice in his veins. He's been he's been phenomenal.
0: And a lot of people said when Karis Levert went out, like you mentioned, that this was over, they were eight eighteen, went on that eight game winning streak. And the one big player that really stepped up, second-round pick Rodion Skroots, he he mm-hmm. started 29 out of the 43 games <clears throat> he's played this season. He's not really playing anymore right now because Karis Levert's back, but he even scored 24 points against Boston. He seemed like every single game he's putting up in double digits, getting yeah. rebounds, getting assists, playing well. Uh, Jared Allen, double-double machine. Ed Davis even said when he signed with the Nets that he didn't think this was going to be a team that was going to go to the playoffs, but... Once he started seeing the young players and their work ethic and how they play the game, then it, the, he said his mind was changed. But uh, Karis LeVert back now just getting in the groove. And a lot of people said, a lot of people said because Karis LeVert, they didn't know he was coming back, that because Alan Crabb was out, Karis LeVert was out, and the team was winning a lot of games. Were When they came back, was this going to disrupt the flow of the unit and the team? But so far, which it has because they lost before this two-game uh, winning streak, they lost like three of their last ten. But or rather seven of their last ten, but uh, it, it's working out right now for the Nets. I don't think, I think people that were questioning whether
1: Levert and Crabb would affect really the flow of the Nets, I, I think they're crazy, to mm-hmm. be completely honest, because you take a player of Karras Levert's caliber, not only the skill that he provides on the offensive end, but a player who is a great defender and has one of the best work ethics in the entire game right now. I mean, that's a guy who's not going to have a massive ego and try to take shots away from D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he it was pretty clear once D'Lo stepped up in the way that he has that Levert was going to have to take a little bit of a backseat. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, he's going to get his touches. He's going to score. You added that type of player to your lineup, you're automatically going to get better. Now on Crab, I mean, he's really not much at this point other than a good shooter who right. can occasionally play the wing and make one-on-one moves. But... I wasn't too worried about the flow being completely altered when he came back. My one thing is, I think Karuk's needs to play more, just mm-hmm. because we saw what he was able to do. Really, when Levert went down, and Trevion Graham is playing a lot of minutes for the Nets, He's when I, starting, I, don't, I, mean, I don't really think that he should be playing. Kenny those type Atkinson of minutes. has
0: so much faith in this guy, even though he hasn't put up the numbers. He he believes he can hit a turnaround and just play well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, though. It's Trevion Graham, but. It, Kenny Atkins has a lot of faith in him. And I, I'm he's a take good Kenny, defensive
2: option also.
0: He is, true. But, I mean, I, I think
1: if you – again, you got to remember that this is also the time where the Nets really want to find out who they have in some of their picks. I mean, right. Krooks especially because he's a guy who could be an impact player going forward. I'm not sure Trevion Graham is a guy that can kind of fit that mold. Right. He's more of a role player off the bench in my eyes. But, listen, I mean – it's hard to blame Kenny Atkinson for really doing anything because everything's coming up gold for him and Sean Marks. Yeah. So yeah. so the
0: Brooklyn Nets, the fan base at the Barclays Center, every single night is just on their feet. Jared Dudley, who hasn't played, he's been injured, is bringing fans to the Barclays Center for free, getting everyone involved. Again, they're the sixth seed in the East. They're trying to make a playoff push. The other team across the town, the Knicks, it didn't even look like they were going to get a win at home the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But then they beat the Spurs-Jackson. You were at that game covering it that for will... WFUV Sports. And finally they get a win, and Damian Dotson went off. He
1: really did. I mean, he was hitting a ton of shots, but give a lot of credit to Dennis Smith Jr. because mm-hmm. he was finding them all over the floor. I mean, the guy had 13 assists. His defense is great. I mean, the biggest thing for me for the Knicks is – Can Dennis Smith Jr. develop the jump shot from outside? Because if he's going to be able to do that, he's an all-star point guard in this Mm -hmm. league, no doubt. I mean, he has the athleticism. He has the defensive ability when he wants to defend. Whether that comes is another question, but this is a dude who can defend with the best of the guards in the league on a nightly basis if he's got the work to do it. So, nights like the game against San Antonio or nights why you get excited about mm-hmm. the Knicks going forward. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. with a double-double. Mitchell Robinson had 14 and 15 to go with it as well. Damian Dotson, like you said, with 27 and points. And
0: Robinson Kev- even added five blocks yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, and Kevin Knox with, with another double-double. Emmanuel Moutier had 17 points in like 10 minutes in the first <laughs> half. So, it, there was a lot to be excited about. Obviously, listen, they, they've, they've won 12 games for a reason. They're not very good, yeah. but th- there are some glimmering hopes for the Knicks, and the Sunday night win against San Antonio was certainly Mm -hmm. one of them.
2: If you're a Knicks fan, you cannot be more happy with the way this season has gone. 12-48, and you're losing at a perfect pace, and then at the same time, you make a a nice trade for Dennis Smith, who people think maybe they should have taken over Frank. All right, you get rid of Porzingis, but you're losing at a perfect pace right now, and then You get that one night of just beautiful basketball from a lot of young kids who Mm -hmm. want to play. They're hungry. They're fun to watch. They're all athletic freaks. Robinson and Smith in particular, that lob off the backboard. That was awesome. At the end of the night, that was just fantastic. That was beautiful to watch. So I think for the Knicks, obviously moving forward, maybe one or two of these guys, three or pieces, Mitchell Robinson, Smith, and Knox. After that, I think you're not really playing with much in yeah. this in this field, hopefully. I think
1: Dotson could be at peace with the way he shoots the ball yeah. and can defend. Listen, I, I don't think he's a starter on a playoff-caliber team, but he can give you a big-time scoring lift off the bench with his 3-and-D abilities. But yeah. I agree. That this year, and depending on what they do in the offseason, could end up being next year, unfortunately, too. But you got to find some sort of pieces for the next team that's going to make the playoffs and contend for a championship for the Knicks. and. I think they have a few pieces in place that could possibly be that, but I think Smith, like you said, is one of them. Kevin Knox is one of them for sure. Mitchell Robinson hopefully can be one, although I don't really necessarily agree how his style affects today's NBA game, but he does have the athleticism for sure, so Knicks are moving in the right direction obviously this year is all about the draft pick and the free agents in the offseason, but should be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: I was going to say this offseason could go one of two ways they could get Kyrie, KD, get the number one pick try to get Zion, or they might not get any of those guys, because the number one pick is not definite, and you never know, people haven't uh, wanted to come and play in New York uh, in the most recent years so it's going to be interesting to see.
2: So I have a question for you guys now K- Kyrie bugs out uh, on the media about speculating about him and KD talking, having mm-hmm. basically a love affair all All Star Weekend. I read into that, and I think that means something. I think Kyrie and KD are very good friends. You're hanging out a lot. This is the only time you get to talk one on one without any ca- without anyone else. You know, in this in the conversation, that's got to be something speculative.
0: The only thing I I'll say is. Everyone in the NBA in today's game are friends, uh, and I understand they want to team up and stuff that some of them do, but it doesn't always come to fruition. So I wouldn't put too much on that.
1: Right. I kind of put a little bit into it just because the All-Star weekend is a great time for recruiting, mm-hmm. as we saw with LeBron's picks for his All-Star team. I <laughs> Every mean, single it was, free it was, it was, it, was <laughs> team single ta- it was team tampering for LeBron yeah. James. But... And Giannis even said that when he got Anthony Davis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to the point. I do think there is something there, whether the Knicks are the team they end up choosing or whether they go back to their respective places in Boston and Golden State. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm honestly really clueless because there's been so many conflicting reports out there whether the Knicks actually know something, some insider information as to why they made the moves they did at the trade deadline with trading Porzingis and opening up that second max slot, but... Listen, it'll all come down to me, I think, whether they get that number one pick or not, which is a dangerous
0: game. Before we wrap up in today's show, during the fourth quarter of yesterday's game and the win against the Clippers, win over the Dallas Mavericks, head coach of the Clippers, Doc Rivers. He, he had a pretty cool moment. He went over to the PA mic and basically just called Dirk the GOAT and had the whole crowd cheer for him, which was a really cool moment. I've never seen a coach do that.
1: It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's a goose type, goosebump type of stuff right there from doc rivers i mean he said it was all in the moment too it wasn't planned which is even cool i mean he just he called time out picked up the mic and just said dirk Nowitzki, and <laughs> yeah, the entire crowd cool. <laughs> got on got on his feet i mean you could tell dirk was emotional in the moment about it too and to honor one of the best to ever do it it's it's just awesome it's what it's all about
2: yeah it's very cool to see this whole thing for dirk do you think that means it's it's over? You think we're seeing the last Dirk this yeah. season? That's it? yeah, I, I do
0: think so. Dirk hasn't even hasn't yeah. put it you know into fine print that he's retiring and he's kind of hinted that he kind of wants to come back, but it, Dirk hasn't really done anything. Yeah, it's this a fun year. little two way yeah. thing. You got Dirk he's on the all-star. West Coast doing yeah.
2: his thing, very low key, not telling anybody about. It. And then you got D Wade on the Eastern Conference side. Yeah, I'm leaving, swapping jerseys every night, doing a lot of high key stuff. But yeah, they're they're doing it in their own ways, and you gotta love it and Yeah, commend Doc on what he did last night for Dirk. It's really cool.
0: Another great episode of Pick and Pod. The Lakers, are they going to make the playoffs? The Nets, are they going to make the playoffs? Uh, But once again, this was Pick and Pod for Jackson Heil and Joey Dayon. I'm Dominic Capone. We'll see you next time.